We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the vault. I am Sarah Ellison alongside my co-host and partner, Bobby Trossett. And this episode is our monthly, we try, we're going to try to get into this once a month, our monthly mailbag vault, where we try to just answer a ton of questions uh, that have come into our mailbox. There's been a ton that have been uh, coming in. And as we've promised, as we've now created a new Patreon account. We're, you know, really appreciative of so many fans who have been supporting us by becoming members and, you know, throwing us a couple bucks uh, throughout the month. We, as we've said, we're going to give priority to those that uh, have become members. So today we did have some extra room to put in some people from our mailbag that are not patrons, but <clears throat> we we clearly are going to be giving our patrons that priority and get get into their their questions first. So, Bobby, there are a lot of questions about Lamar Jackson, uh, a ton of those, but I know that you're going to get one here that is not Lamar related just to start things off. First and foremost, we're about to shut down the month of February and, and like, right, like this yeah. is our first full off season as a partnership duo here on the, sh- on the show. And I've been told that if your team's not in the Super Bowl, that February and July are the slowest months of the NFL calendar. It's felt like anything but <laughs> slow in Baltimore over the last few weeks in February. And um, you know, obviously that's because of you know where we sit right now. This organization sits and really entering the most pivotal offseason, you could argue, in their 27-year history as a club, you know. So it's just been um it's been a vicious news cycle. It's been one that has kept us busy. But you're right. We got a ton of Q&A to get to. And uh, let's dive right in, first and foremost, by thanking and, and acknowledging new patron, Bill Justice. And here's his question. He loves the show. He's done the Patriot. Patriot. He's done the Patreon thing. And he's not done that for anyone else. That's what he thinks of us. We appreciate you, Bill. Here's the question. I see a lot of talking heads in the fan base talking about bringing name, big name receivers in. Munkin called them faces. The thing is, they made their name based on their body of work. That's their past. The Ravens have brought names in like them before. McNair, Mason, Rod Woodson, and it worked for the short term, but it isn't a solution. What I think the front office should be looking for is potential. Wide receivers who haven't broken out yet. Torrey Smith and Hollywood come to mind as past similar choices. That saves cap room and sets up the future beyond this season. It may also give Lamar a reason to stay, though I'm not convinced he's the Ravens' future. So the question is, who could that breakout potential wide receiver be? And what scratch-your-head trade could the Ravens make that would look like a genius move a couple years from now? Obviously, there's a lot to unpack here. But you know, first and foremost, Sarah, we, we know that assuming that Lamar Jackson is tagged within the next couple days, within the next week or so while this franchise tag deadline window remains through March 7th, then Ravens have very, very limited cap space to make go out and make a move. And so a, a couple of things come to mind. We've obviously talked at length about several cap casualties that are in play to create space. We'll get to that in just a bit based on another submission. 
But in terms of breakout potential wide receivers, to me, they're going to have to come via trade, whether that's Patrick Queen and or Chuck Clark or through the draft. My hope is that it's going to be both. If it's through free agency, I don't see it being a massive name because just take a look at what the wide receiver market is commanding these days. It's insane money. The top 10 wide receivers are all making north, you would think of, of 15, 20 million dollars, you know? So they don't have that kind of room. It's going to have to come through the willingness to trade, the willingness to use some of the, the high draft capital, which they don't have a ton of this year, right? No second round pick this year as we stand right now, and, and they're not projected to be awarded a compensatory selection. So it's going to have to come through those two avenues, and I sure hope it does. Yeah, I feel like what Bill's describing is actually what Eric DaCosta has been trying to do, which is trying to trying to get a breakout star via the draft. That's why he, he drafted Hollywood. That's why he drafted Bateman. That's why he drafted Duvernay and Prochet and um, Telon Wallace. Like that's been the strategy for the last couple of years. The problem is, is like none of them have really broken out other than Hollywood. And then he wanted to be traded. Uh, I think that's more because of, you know, Greg Roman and the offense. So it, you know, it's what you've been asking for, Bobby. You want another draft pick high up, high, high up. Uh, and then as far as a trade, they absolutely do not have the cap space or draft capital to get um, this, you know, a, this true breakout guy that's about to break out. So it, if you're going to trade, it is probably going to have to be for a name like a, like a Hopkins because it'll be for less, less draft capital. Um, and I don't think Chuck Clark is getting you, you know, any sort of like wide receiver that can, you can get excited about. Maybe Patrick Quinn could get in on that, but I think that's more going to be draft picks. I mean, wide receivers are so expensive. Everybody's looking for them. So uh, you're either going to have to pay through the nose uh, or you're going to have to finally hit on it in the draft. That's my, my thoughts on it. So, Right. Yeah. And, you know, too, just before we jump to, to the next question here, you know, breakout potential wide receivers. I don't know if Rashad Bateman would fit that category because we all know if he breaks out, it, it's not a surprise. He's a former first-round pick. What we want for him is to be healthy and available for a full season, which he hasn't been through two NFL years. So the hope is, while I don't believe he's a true number one, my gosh, he could be a dang good 1B. And what he showed us in that Miami game last year is that he's got insane breakaway speed, run away from you kind of speed. He's a silky route runner, a reliable pass catcher for the most part, who, again, just has not been available because of injury through his first two seasons. So the hope is that whatever breakout wide receiver that, that Bill is getting at here, whether he's on the roster or not, is a complimentary piece to what they already have in Bateman. Hopefully Demarcus Robinson sticks around on a short-term deal. And then the back end of the wide receiver room is still to be determined. It'll be fought, you know, the last couple spots will be fought for guys like Tylen Wallace and and James Prochet. You know, we'll see if they end up making the roster or not. But uh, but clearly, you know, the top of it needs to be bolstered. And I think, you know, we can all agree about that. Well, and I'll just add one more thing. <laughs> this is this is what happens when you get into a mailbag. Who knows where this is going to go? This is not like our scripted morning vault. I don't think whether it's surprising or not should be in the equation of whether you term somebody a breakout player. You know what I mean? So if, because Rashad Bateman has not broken out and whether, and it's be, partly because of injuries uh, might also partly be because of, of the offense and not utilizing him enough. But if he were to go out and have a thousand yard season First first rounder or not, that's a breakout player. Whether you expect it or not, that's a breakout player. And um, so, and the Ravens absolutely, no matter who else they add via the draft or trade or free agency, they need Rashad Bateman to break out for sure. And I think that Todd Munkin has got to be a big part of that in, in really using him. And then obviously his health is even a bigger part of that. All right, moving on to uh, Mark. Uh, from from oh the UK sweet and he is also a patron we appreciate your support Mark very much 
Uh, he says, thanks for the great pod. Question from over the pond. Mike Florio is still pushing for the percentage of cap contract as a possibility for quarterbacks. He says between 13% to 16%. Is this a way for the Ravens and Lamar to get past the guarantee problems with a bit of give and take? I've seen Mike Florio write, write about this and a few others. I need to look more in depth about this. I've I've read other, you know, cap uh, gurus say that they don't think that teams are ever going to want to go that route. Um, I mean, that is a completely different way. And and I don't know how the contracts would look like if you've said you got 16%. If you're cut, how does all that work? Is it the same way? Is there dead money? Like, uh, there's a lot, a lot that goes into these contracts that are so detailed that I don't know that I know enough to say why it doesn't work. But I can say I've read a lot of people that I respect that, you know, study these things that have been like, yeah, that's 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 not going to happen. But on this topic of the the percentage of cap that quarterbacks take up, I've been taking stock on how much a quarterback, how much of a cap hit, a percentage of the cap hit a quarterback can have each season and still win the Super Bowl. And I've been doing that since the Joe Flacco years because it just seemed like ever since Joe Flacco got paid, um, the Ravens just were a mediocre team. And there could be a million reasons for it, but I, I do think that how much he was paid was for it. And that is not an argument against other guys getting it. It's just that Joe Flacco was not a guy that could carry a team. I think there's a better argument that a guy like Lamar Jackson can carry a team because I feel like he has. He's carried the offense. Um, but anyway, so I've I've tracked the numbers as far back as 2011. Okay, now prior to this last 22, 2022 Super Bowl win, and I'll, and I'll put in Patrick Mahomes' cap numbers, prior to that, the highest a quarterback has taken of the cap is 12.4% and won a Super Bowl. That was Tom Brady in 2018. All the other previous Super Bowl winners were below 12.4%. A lot of guys were on rookie contracts, including Joe Flacco. Either you have a rookie contract guy or you have a Hall of Fame type quarterback who's taking up you know, double digits. That's Tom Brady. Tom Brady won a few times with double digits. Um, Peyton Manning won a few times with double digits. Everybody else was single digits because they were on there. Well, that's not true. Matthew Stafford just broke the double digits at 10.7% in 2021. So Patrick Mahomes broke that mold. Last year in 2022, he took up 17% of Kansas City's cap, and he went on to win. So you can start pushing it to 17, to that 17%. Now he's he's now created that new standard, but over the previous uh, 10, 11 years, the high, the high was 12.4%. So uh so back to to the question here saying, do you give up 13 to 16%? Well, prior to Matt Patrick Mahomes, uh, nobody had won a Super Bowl. No quarterback had won a Super Bowl with a cap hit that took up 13 to 16%. So that seems like a lot. And you need a Patrick Mahomes type guy and an offensive mind like Andy Reid uh, to really put that together. And right now, Patrick Mahomes is the outlier to win with that much cap space. So number one, I don't see owners wanting to go that way. And number two, if they did, 13 to 16% is a lot of money because most guys are not winning Super Bowls with that much. As Mahomes claimed on parade day in Kansas City a couple of weeks back, they won in a rebuild year. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's not a re-actual rebuild. I mean, no. he was just kind of uh, rebuild. poking some fun at. Yeah, rebuild to me is like yeah. getting a new quarterback. When you have Patrick Mahomes, all the other pieces can move around and you're not rebuilding. <laughs> so I think he was poking some fun at the critics who yeah. said they weren't going to be anything without Tyreek Hill. Well, clearly... When you're losing late, when when you're using late round draft pick rookies like Isaiah Pacheco the way they did in the Super Bowl, yeah, things are things are flowing pretty well <laughs> yeah. for Kansas City's offense. And obviously, when you have Travis Kelsey out yeah. there doing his freakish things at the tight end position, that helps as well. But anyway, good stuff there. Let's move on to someone who wishes to remain anonymous with his email submission, 
And this kind of gets at what we discussed in Monday's Morning Vault this week on the 27th of February, Sarah. And, and that has to do with Lamar's involvement with the NFL Players Association and their objectives and, and also their incentives really moving forward in terms of their desire to make sure that Lamar gets a guaranteed deal because of what it would mean for other players around the league, specifically at the quarterback position and also the trickle-down effect. So let's read this again from our anonymous uh, our anonymous email source. He loves the podcast, listens daily, keeps up the good work. So I, I just thought you know we'd kind of summarize this thing. It's a lengthy note that we received, but basically – uh, this source has worked with the NFLPA in some capacity over the years. And basically his message is this. D. Maurice Smith, who is the executive director of the NFLPA, is in his final days as the leader there. He desperately wants to leave a legacy of progress for the players. Now, personally, he writes, I don't love D, but that's irrelevant here. What he's trying to do with, quote, helping Lamar is cement his legacy, meaning DeMaurice's, as the guy who got NFL players fully guaranteed contracts. This Lamar thing is bigger than Lamar. This is D versus Roger, labor versus management. D wants to get Lamar a fully guaranteed deal. Tell Goodell to F off and walk away to a position in the Biden administration. D hates Roger intensely, close quote. That is... The biggest takeaway from, again, this this anonymous source that submitted this via email to our inbox. And Sarah, I think, you know, it, look, we're on the outside looking in, right? But a lot of this makes sense. And Roger, obviously, from a business standpoint, being that the 32 owners are his employees, he wants to protect them, whereas D is protecting the players, and of course, he wants to leave a legacy, a lasting legacy when it comes to guaranteed deals, if indeed he is on the way out, which I believe he is based on um, his 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 tenure. So I, I found this to be extremely interesting. And it all matches up, though, based on what we spoke about last week, right? With all of a sudden, these reports coming out that Lamar is not negotiating alone. And then who knows? Did the NFLPA, did someone from the NFLPA leaked that report last week to Stephen A. Smith and ask him to say, hey, we're actually in Lamar's camp right now because, yeah, he isn't negotiating alone. A lot to unpack here. Yeah, like, like you said, I, I mean, I don't know about, like, the the personal feelings between D. Marie Smith and Roger Goodell, so, you know, I can't really speak to that. But, uh, but you know, just, just based off of what, what I listened to from – D. Marie Smith, when he was on the Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark and that we put into our morning mailbag on Monday. Um, yeah, it's clear. It's it's so clear he's trying to get players more fully guaranteed contracts. So that that's not a stretch. And by the way, there are reports that he is, um, I mean, you can Google it right now. He's he's being considered to be the new labor secretary in, in Joe Biden's administration. So that's that's not anything crazy. And so if he wants to leave a legacy, sure. We all want to leave a legacy, you know, wherever we go. I just want to say this. I've seen some people, um, kind of local Baltimore kind of media say that they feel like Lamar is being used as a pawn. I agree with what this mailbagger is saying is that this is, this is bigger than Lamar in terms of where the NFL PA is. That's true. But I don't think that means that Lamar is being a pawn. Uh, there is n there is nothing about Lamar, nothing that would ever make me describe him with the word pawn. <laughs> that is the last thing that Lamar Jackson is. To me, it would seem like what they're both looking for, some of their interests align. Lamar doesn't want to have an agent. He wants to represent himself, but he also, you know, is getting advice and getting help. And and him getting a full and guaranteed contract, you know, why wouldn't he want that? And so, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This is a major this is a major monumental like, kind of pivot in NFL contracts. And what DeMaurice Smith said on that on that pivot podcast is he said if he can bookend Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson getting fully guaranteed contracts, 
He said, that's the way it's going to get done. He said, there's no CBA in any professional sport that says you have to have fully guaranteed contracts. He's, he says, that's always happened when free agents come up and they just dig their heels in and won't play. So yes, this is an NFLPA versus owners thing that the Lamar and the Ravens are just happened to be at the right time, the right place, stuck in the middle of all of it. And so, yeah, so it's bigger than both of them because both of these sides are pushing for fully guaranteed or not fully guaranteed. Um, but I, that doesn't mean that the Ravens are a pawn and it doesn't mean that Lamar's a pawn because both of them probably really do want those things. So, um, but yeah, so like I said, I don't know their personal feelings, but all this certainly matches up with D, what DeMaurice has said and what Bashadi has said when he didn't want to give fully guaranteed contracts. So this is bigger than both of them, but I don't think either one of them are a pawn. One note too on, on Smith's tenure, like I mentioned a minute ago, um, there is a process that's underway as we speak to find a successor for Smith. And, and he's served this position, by the way, for years, since March 2009, to be exact. Mm. Um, but he, he informed players uh, before his latest re-election last October, so that would have been October of 2021, that this would be his final term. So uh, at some point here, you know, before 2025 or no later than 2025, um, he, he, there is going to be a, a, a new NFLPA executive director. So he is on his way out within the next couple of years. It's not imminent, but you, you get the point that he wants to go out with a bang here. Yep. All right. Next question is from uh, Joe. Uh, Joe says, first and foremost, we always got to read these parts where it's, it's, it's nice comments. We get enough bad comments in social Gas media. Up, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Gas Gas up. Up. We read a lot of negative stuff on social media, so we'll take the compliments where we can get it, um, which both are valid. Not that we don't, we don't rewrite off any of the crit critiques there, but he says, first and foremost, let me please tell you how much I love to listen to you. Your takes on the team, the players in the game are delivered with such intelligence and passion that I often listen in in more than once. Nothing against other Baltimore-based Ravens podcasts, but yours is truly genuine. Thank you for that. And he says he's a Baltimore native living in Vienna, Austria. So there's another one for your for your map, Bobby, that you haven't created yeah, yet, but yeah. want to. <laughs> so um, then he gets into more of his question. He goes, I'm a huge fan of Lamar Jackson, the person and the player. I would certainly not want him to leave under any circumstance. That being said, the financial side of, impen of an impending deal, in whichever form that may come, seems to be detrimental to forming a balanced team. Question, is there an argument for moving on? What could some scenarios look like? What would be the pros and cons of those scenarios? What would be the best scenario to field a championship team? I, I'm with Joe here. I think the number one priority has to be to sign him to a long-term deal. Obviously, they're at a sticking point, and they've been doing this for almost two years now. So um, is there an argument for moving on? Sure. People have made those arguments all day long that, you know, $45 million on on cap hit as a tag will decimate the rest of the, the roster for sure. I mean, not only are you not signing people, but you're cutting a lot of people to make that happen. Um, you're restructuring contracts to make that happen and just pushing dead money. Uh, you know, you're pushing bills down the road. And so there's been plenty of arguments being made that a trade is is the best outcome at this point. Because if you haven't gotten it done in two years, then what's what else are you going to do? So... Um, so, you know, he's, he's asking the, the pros and cons, you know, the pro, the biggest pro is signing him long-term. If you can't do that, you're not just going to let him walk as a free agent. So you have to tag him. I don't like a tag personally, although I think the Ravens, um, sound like they're, they're, you know, prepared to do that if needed. So to me, if they have to tag him, I, you know, I just don't know if they are going to be competitive as, as Joe says here. And so in that sense, then then a trade would come in and you would just need to get a boatload of stuff. I think we have questions about a trade later on, so I hope I'm not, uh, you know, talking into that too much. But to me, it's either to me, the best scenarios are either sign him to a long long term contract or, you know, go out. And I think he's worth three, three number one picks. And in that case, you're, you're able to, to rebuild. But I'll just tell you this. Steve Bashotti has said this to, before. You can divide all teams up into two categories. 
ones that have quarterbacks and ones that are searching for quarterbacks. So even if they got three ones, that's a, that's a scary prospect. Um, it's also scary to, to have a, a quarterback and bare bones everywhere else. So, which is what the franchise tag would do. So hopefully, you know, deadline spur action, hopefully a deadline could maybe push these guys to a compromise, but otherwise, uh, there, there is an argument to, to move on. It just isn't, it isn't better than the argument of signing him to a long-term deal in my view. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's just no guarantee that any one of those three first-round picks, to use your example, is a plug-and-play for what Lamar has produced over his five years in the league. You know, we're talking about a former MVP. We're talking about somebody who's literally 45-16 and 16 as a starting quarterback in this league. You know, are those numbers big time in January? No, they haven't been. But it's also been a small sample size, if you ask me. Just ask Peyton Manning about his sample size early on in his career. So uh, anyway, that that's the risk you take, right? Like it's like, it's enticing. Three first round picks is enticing, yeah. but it's not guaranteed that they're going to be able to win with whoever is, is the replacement. Well, and, and I'll, you know? and I'll say this, Bobby, if the Ravens were and and Lamar just can't, can't come to an agreement and the Ravens traded him for three first rounds, I'm, I know, I'm sure, I'm positive the world will come raining down on the Ravens, criticizing them for that. Completely understandable. Here's where my criticism would come in. It wouldn't be initially. If, if he went out, if Eric DeCosta went out and got three first rounds, I would think that's plus three, three first rounds plus. I mean, maybe there's a player in there. Maybe there's another second in there or a third or whatever. Um, where I think he's gone wrong in the past, Eric DeCosta. So when he traded Hollywood or he traded Hayden Hurst or when he traded Orlando Brown, I thought he got good value for all of them. But where he didn't, what he didn't do well was replacing them. He traded Hollywood Brown and got nothing at wide receiver to really replace him. He traded Orlando Brown and then went out and got, shoot, what's his name? Venezuela. What was his name? (laughs) What? Alejandro uh, Villanueva. Yeah. I see how you thought about his tenure in Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> Villanueva. I called him Venezuela. Villanueva. My goodness, Sarah. Um, all right. So, and that just was not, it took him a year to really put back together an offensive line that was good. Hayden Hurst never really got a tight end to, to match up with, with Mark Andrews. So, in all of them, I thought Eric DaCosta got really good value, but then he didn't use that value to replace those players. And that's what makes me the most nervous. Like, And that's to your point, that even if you got thir- three first rounds, there's no guarantee. I mean, it's almost certain nobody's going to come plug in and do what, what Lamar does. And so the question is, is like, what do you do with those three first rounders? Do you still feel the competitive team that can at least, because under the Lamar years, the best the Ravens have been able to do is go to the divisional round. So those three first round picks and whatever else you were to get with him, that's what I'd be looking at. So my criticism would first be, did you get the right value? And if you got the right value, then the, then 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 I'd have to wait to see how you replaced him. And if you still feel that a, 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 a roster that at least gets back to the divisional round, although you'd hope for more, then you'd say, okay, then he adequately replaced Lamar, if he gets to the divisional round. Um, but if he doesn't 
and you're just in quarterback searching hell for the next 10 years, then it's like, all right, you got fair value, but you had to replace him. And that's what I'll be looking for is if they trade him, number one, the value, and number two, if they replace him adequately. And based on what eight has meant to this town over the last five years, if he's not adequately replaced, if it comes to that, yeah, this town's not going to forget no. it. No, This town is not going to let the front office forget no. it at all. No, nor should so, they. On to Mark from my part of the world originally. Syracuse, New York, originally from Albany, New York, but love that Mark. Western New York, upstate New York, born and raised in Towson, though. He loves the pod, listens all the time. His question, if Ravens tag Lamar and Lamar signs on, let's say sometime shortly thereafter, they make a long-term deal. Are the Ravens still obligated to pay the complete $45 million on the tag? Or if Lamar does not show up for camp, are they also still obligated to pay the $45 million? Thank you to the both of you. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to have to defer to either you or Brian McFarlane on this one, <laughs> but I assume that if they tag him and then they find a way to reach a long-term deal in, in the midst, you know, before camp or before the season, that $45 million, it's it's irrelevant, right? Yeah. So if they tag him and then he's and then he's subsequently signed the tag, the forty five million goes away, and then whatever his cap number is under the extension, that becomes his cap hit for twenty twenty three. Now, what is a little bit more scary is if they tag him and he doesn't show up, and and um, that doesn't matter. So let's say he holds out. You have the $45 million cap hit. And then let's say he holds out into the season. And I'm not saying he would do this. I'm just going down a scenario. If he holds out during the season, the way Le'Veon Bell did with, with the Steelers, the cap hit week one is $45 million. And then what happens is one-seventeenth of that $45 million comes off of the cap for each game that he holds out. So one seventeenth would come off after week one, two seventeenths, week two, three seventeenths, yada, yada, yada. So that's that's the scary part of tagging him. If you tag him, you better make sure beforehand that he is willing to play on the tag. Otherwise, you're tying up $45 million for somebody that doesn't play. You can get some of that money back. So say like half the year goes by. And so you get half that back by half the year, say around the trade deadline. Now you've got a lot of money that maybe you could trade for somebody that has a big cap hit because now you got twenty million opened up by, you know, let's say the trade deadline or whatever. I haven't done all the math, but you're getting millions by the time the trade deadline comes around. So you have that, but you don't have anything. You don't. You can't work with any of the forty-five million during the entire offseason. I don't know how much stock we should put into this, but this time last year, everybody was like, "There's no way he's showing up for." you know, all the off-season stuff for training camp on the fifth-year option without a long-term deal. Well, he missed the OTAs, but he was there for minicamp, and he was there for all of training camp. So this guy's a unique cat. Who's to say that he's not going to get tagged in a couple days? He's going to accept that. He's going to continue to bet on himself without a long-term deal. Maybe he won't show up to OTAs, but maybe he does the exact same, you know, in terms of attendance as he did last year, and, and you know, he continues to bet on himself. I would not rule that out with this guy. I mean, anything's on the table. Yeah, we talked about this offline. This is not somebody's question, but we talked about this offline. You asked me if you th if I thought he would hold out if he were tagged. Uh, I, maybe I'm wrong. This is complete speculation. I do not speak for Lamar. Obviously, he has not told me this. But based off his past, like you just said, I could totally see Lamar saying, forget all you national analysts telling me to hold out. I'm going to go ahead and play because $45 million in one season is 40% more than he's made in all five of his previous years. And if he doesn't play, he doesn't see a penny of that $45 million. So, um, So I definitely think if he were tagged, he would play on it uh, starting week one. And it wouldn't surprise me, as you just said, that he, that he could show up for training camp because he said last year, uh, he gave all the reasons why he did when everybody told him not to. And everybody thought, not everybody, so many national analysts were like, oh, he's crazy for for showing up. The only way I could see Lamar not showing up for training camp is if he finally has hit his breaking point and has demanded a trade. And he's like, you know what? It's just time. You're not going to give me what I want. So let's just get a trade done. And then he's trying to, and then he would try to force Eric to cost his hand to go ahead and get a trade. So in that scenario, I could see him, you know, but if he doesn't want to be traded, and he's like, sure, I'll play on, on you know, week one through 17. I could totally see him coming to training camp. It's in his best interest 
if he shows up and participates as much as he can over the next six months, because not only is he going to be learning, you know, new verbiage, terminology, everything we talked about with Hudson Mason from Georgia last week and within Todd Munkin's yeah. new offense, but hopefully he's going to have new playmakers, hopefully, you know, on the outside. So he's going to have to develop the chemistry that's required there to have success. But anyway, we got a little bit on well, a tangent there. You knew it would happen eventually. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you this next one. And this one comes in from Palmer Grigsby. Yeah. It was a good tangent though. I feel like, um, all right. So Palmer asked, should we as fans be getting ready for a breakup? I mean, sh absolutely. You got to be ready for anything at this point. If you haven't learned that by now, you should definitely be ready for anything that goes on with this negotiation. He says, it seems that talks are stalling out. How many times can two parties have the same conversation before there isn't anything else to say? So he goes on and is, I mean, it's a very long email. It's a good one, uh, but some of it we've kind of already touched on. But basically he's saying if he plays on the tag, you're not getting him the wide receivers that he needs. And he's like, how many times do we need to see this offense with Lamar without a wide receiver? So um, I'm going to stick to this part. How many times can two parties have the same conversation before there isn't anything else to say? I would agree with that. However, there's two things that are still coming that could change the dynamics. So number one, you hear this all the time, deadline spur action. So that's why... When that when the franchise tag window first came open, I said to you offline, Bobby, they're not going to do it on day one. They're going to wait to the very last minute before the window closes before they do it because deadlines per action. So if the Ravens hit, if they have a deadline where they're in their minds being like, okay, we can't wait beyond this point, then that deadline will spur action. Number two, the thing that I think the reason why the Ravens on their side can still be patient is exactly what um, – RG3 said in that we highlighted last week in the vault. And he said the Ravens were willing to be patient because they actually want to see what happens with the deals of Joe Burrow. Um, who are the other guys coming up? Bobby, help jog my memory here. Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert. There we go. Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert. He said the Ravens kind of want to see what's going on there because if the Ravens are willing to wait, it seems to me that they either feel confident that those guys are not going to get fully guaranteed contracts or, or are they wanting, is Steve Bashotti wanting to see if a couple other owners are the first ones to really give in to the fully guaranteed contract and then he's not that guy. So, um, so I do still think some things could play out that could potentially change the dynamic. So that's why I don't know that, you know, there's like going to be a trade or, or a, or a extension signed anytime soon, because now I think now that we know from RG3's sources inside the Ravens that they're willing to wait for those things that now I'm like, okay, well now we just better buckle in and be patient because that's clearly what the Ravens are waiting for. And the only thing that would change that is if Lamar came and, and demanded a trade and said, well, I'm, I'm done right now. And up to this point, he has not done that. He's been, he just seems to be just as patient as the Ravens. Let's next up get to Devin H. First off, great job, you two. Now straight to the point. We like that. If an extension cannot be reached and the Ravens tag Lamar, what are some of the names that could fall victim to cap casualty cuts to afford Lamar's tag? And immediately when we saw this one pop up in the inbox, we went back to uh, one of our past episodes that's titled Six Cap Casualties the Ravens Could Make but you won't like. So case in point there, right? If you want to go check it out in the archives, by the way, it's number 166. But, uh, you know, going back to our notes, there's six players, like I mentioned, Calais Campbell, Chuck Clark, Devin Duvernay, Gus Edwards, Michael Pierce, and or Kevin Zeitler, who could all fall under this category, Sarah. And, you know, kind of just picking the, the list apart a little bit. We know that Calais announced for the second straight year after mulling retirement that he's going to come back. And this time it's for his 16th NFL season. He's on the uh, doorstep, knocking on the door essentially of 100 career sacks at 99 total. So hopefully uh, his restructure, you would think, would open up some money there. Uh, he's got a current cap hit in 2023 of $9.4 um, You know, So obviously that's going to have to be if he wants to stick around in Baltimore, that's going to have to be uh, tweaked a little bit in Eric DaCosta's front office. Uh, but then again, you go up and down the list. There, there's some names on here that 
you know, would be really, really tough breakups. I mean, you think about what Gus Edwards has meant to this team, Sarah, at the running back position. But, you know, we know with a cap hit of $5.6 million for 2023, that's just assuming that Lamar is going to be on the tag. That's not a luxury that they're going to be able to afford if they want to team build. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say with this list, I totally agree that they're on the list for potential cap casualties. I would just also add that there's other ways to get these six and their current cap hits down. So a lot of them you could give an extension. So Calais Campbell, Kevin Zeitler, two guys that I think could be extended. Devin Duvernay could be extended. Go ahead and give him an early you know, contract like they did with, with Chuck Clark. Uh, that's kind of like not super expensive, but you have a guy that's, you know, a contributor. Um, so, so Gus Edwards could fall on that. I mean, there's so many of these guys that if you just extend them, then, then in that extension, you're just, you know, moving money around and you're keeping them longer because you know, you want them anyway, and then you're lowering the cap hit. So, um, lots of ways to do that, but Gus Edwards, (laughs) to your point, I definitely don't see him playing on this team with a 5.6 million cap hit as a, as like a number two running back. Like I just, that's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, if they think that he's got a lot left in him, an extension, or he's probably the one I see most likely as a cut. And then you brought up Chuck Clark. I mean, that obviously could be a trade. So lots of ways to address these six contracts, um, whether it's a cut, a restructure, an extension, or a trade. All right, here comes one from Brian Spar. Sarah and Bobby, greetings from Arizona. Continue to find the vault a super source of information and entertainment. Steve Bashotti doesn't want the blowback from the other owners if he signs Lamar Jackson to a fully guaranteed contract. Could you see him just waiting and following the franchise tag? Contract negotiations aren't successful. Letting Lamar eventually talk to other teams will automatically occur if a non-exclusive tag and then matching their offer. That way he won't be blamed by other owners for the contract. And then he has other questions here. While there have been some talk of trading Patrick Queen and or Chuck Clark, I've mainly seen talk of trading them for draft choices. Can Could you see that, see one or both being traded for a wide receiver and or a cornerback? So, yes, I just mentioned that maybe Bashadi would want to see if other owners would give in. Um, but I said that in terms of the other three quarterbacks that are about to get, get contracts. Uh, your point that whether they use the non-exclusive or the exclusive, letting Lamar go out and test the market Absolutely. I'd be a proponent of that and just say, hey, go see, go see what you can get. Uh, But I would want to do it under the exclusive tag, certainly not the non-exclusive. To me, that's too much risk. You'd you could be losing Lamar not for just two first round picks, which I think he's worth more than. But then you're not even guaranteed which first rounders it would be. Whereas if it was exclusive, you could make sure it's a top 10 uh, first round draft pick. I mean, getting in the 20s versus top 10 are, are very different. So, yeah, and I think I think way too much is made of Lamar not having an agent. There's been plenty of players with agents that get franchise tagged and don't come to a deal. But I will say one thing that would be beneficial uh, with Lamar and having an agent is I think they would already know if they're, if another team would be out there willing to give him that. So Lamar, though, I think the Ravens, I could totally see the Ravens giving permission under even the exclusive tag saying go ahead and talk to other teams, but then that would be Lamar on his own doing that or maybe, I guess, getting the help of the NFLPA. Uh, so that would take some time. It would be need more need more patience because then Lamar would have to go out, find a team, find a team and talk numbers, and then on top of that, find a team that the Ravens would be willing to give up depending on how much draft capital in the trade. So that would make for another long process. Uh, and then in terms of trading Patrick Queen or Chuck Clark, uh, there were reports that the Ravens tried to trade Chuck Clark last year. Nothing came to fruition, so they could try again. Um, we'll see if something comes to fruition. I just don't know that other teams value the safety p- position the way the Ravens do. And I certainly don't think Chuck Clark uh, is going to get the Ravens a big name or any – I mean, I just don't think he'd be he, – people would look at him and say, yeah, let me give you a solid wide receiver or a solid cornerback. Like, I, again, I just think that those two positions are are valued way more than the safety position. In terms of Patrick Queen, I personally don't want to see him traded. I, it could happen, but I would love to see another Queen and Roquan Smith duo for another year uh, unless some team came in with, with, with a draft pick that's obviously would be higher – than a third rounder because that's what you would get in a compensatory pick. So 
uh, unless you're getting a second or a first, I just don't think it's worth trading Patrick Queen at all. I'd love to see him and Roquan back together again. Next up is Dennis from Germany. Big fan of the podcast. I started listening a couple of weeks ago. Look forward to seeing what you got planned for the offseason. My two cents about a receiver, instead of Hopkins, I tried to go after someone like Debo. He has one good year on his contract left before the number rockets, and the 49ers are stacked with receiving talent. If I were them, I'd try to offload Debo and invest that money otherwise since they may have struck gold with Brock Purdy. I don't know if the Ravens have the resources for such a trade, but if some people think a Hopkins trade would be doable, so is Debo. A cool offensive coordinator may draw up some nice plays with Andrews, Debo, and J.K. on the field together, only with Lamar under center, of course. Anyway, wish you all the best. Excited to see what you're going to do with Patreon and other stuff. Just wanted to let you know your content is also enjoyed across the ocean. Love it. Appreciate you, Dennis. And uh, first and foremost, you know, I got to kind of pick up on the whole comparison between uh, Debo and DeAndre because they're in different really they're in different times of their career and they have different abilities at this point. Debo is like a, a jackhammer, right? Like he can do whatever you need. And when it, when it comes to running back and wide receiver abilities and Deandre Hopkins is, you know, he's, he's not getting any younger. I would say he's just past his prime. If you ask me, uh, especially coming off last year where he wasn't even available for the first six games because of the PED suspension, Sarah. So, you know, I, I don't know if you can make a comparison between the two of them. To me, you know, if you're going after Debo, you better have some first round draft capital yeah. because this dude is a unicorn right now for San Francisco. Whereas Hopkins, I think that can get done with a, a non first rounder, but it's probably going to be draft capital, non first round draft capital and a player you would think. But um, but to compare the two, I think that's a little bit of a reach. How about you? Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that Debo, I think you could get DeAndre Hopkins. The last time he was traded, I think it was for a second-round pick, and that was a couple of years ago. So at this point, you're going to get it for less, and I agree with you that Debo, you better start talking someone. So I, I don't think the price would be the same, uh, and I don't think that, that you know, that's a possibility. So we'll just finish up with this. This is not a, a question, but I think it's just awesome. Tomo reached out. Bobby, he obviously heard – uh, us mentioned that I'm going to be going to Japan over spring break. So he said, hello, Bobby and Sarah. I love your podcast. I haven't missed a single episode so far. As for Sarah's trip to Japan, I would like to recommend a couple places. And then he named some places that I am not going to attempt to uh, pronunciate here. Uh, but I may need to email Tomo back because I would like some more recommendations. And I just think it's awesome that he reached out for it. So yeah, he said, if you need any help or have questions with regard to J Japan, please let me know. So I may be reaching out, Tomo. I may be reaching out very soon. I appreciate your recommendations. And I just love that about this vault listen listenership that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we got support from people, but I love that he's supporting even my trip to Japan. I love it. I love that too. And just in case people didn't catch that little nugget, I think it was during a live stream a few weeks ago that we, we talked about your upcoming trip uh, with one of your kids, but can you just kind of remind everybody when it is that you're going to be gone and, and what's going on? Yeah. So, uh, I'll be leaving the last week of March. We'll be out there for two weeks. So I'll be there last week of March and first week of April. So Bobby, I think the main thing I'll be missing is, um, owners meetings which I'm very, very interested in knowing if Steve Bashotti will be speaking. Uh, now, if he does speak, it's usually just to like, it's usually to Jeff, Jeff Zrebeck and one of the Sun reporters. Uh, maybe Jameson's in there, but usually it's a very small, small group of reporters. That that could be the big one. And there's always like free agent news that, that comes out of there. Uh, so we will see. But yeah, I'm going with just my husband and my oldest son. We're actually going with... Uh, uh, you know, a group of, of kids from his school and, uh, and their parents. So, uh, this will be, this will be interesting. I'm very excited. I'm very excited about it. So, uh, I will tell you this though, if Steve Bashotti does speak, I might just have to get on from Japan, Bobby. I just might have to do it. I did it while I was in Spain. There's no reason why I can't do it in Japan. <laughs> Just throw the time difference out the window yeah. because it's not going to be as probably, you know, beneficial as the six hour one was or five hours when, wherever you were when we were recording back in July. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he had a lot to say last year, right? That yeah, was kind of when he made it very, very clear how he felt about Deshaun Watson's deal. All right. Had that deal been done at that point? Yeah, because he's the, he said in there 
that um, he wasn't happy that Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed deal. That's where that quote comes from. It's from the owners meeting. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And by the way, right now, wow. so we're recording this at 1121 AM. It's 120 AM in, in, in Japan right now in Tokyo to be exact. So yeah, it is quite, it is quite the time difference. Yeah. That's intense, but, but needless to say, you know, we will pick up the slack while you're gone. It's going to be fun. We're going to make it work. I'm sure there's going to be, like you said, there's going to be owners meetings. There's probably going to be you would think at least a little bit of the aftermath of free agency. And then the first week of April, of course, yeah. I'm going to start transitioning to hard to draft prep yeah. because April 27th is coming up Fast. quickly. Matter of fact, we're sitting here February. We're, we're two months out today as we tape this. So here we go. Yeah. Yeah. It flies. It flies by. So, uh, all right. So we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up with that. Just to, just another plug, as we said, um, if you would like to support Bobby and I, um, beyond, you know, listening and this and that, which we completely appreciate. If you could just subscribe, whether it's on one of the podcast platforms, Apple or Google or Spotify, or if you subscribe on YouTube, uh, we very much appreciate that. Sometimes we'll get questions of how they can, how people can support more. We've, we say this at the end of each morning vault that, you know, we are doing this on our own. We are independent from any other big news organization or anything like that. So if you want to support us, you can go to Patreon, Patreon backslash Ravens Vault podcast. Is that what it is? I should know this, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Okay, I got it. So go to that. There's different uh, tier memberships that you can support us. And obviously these mailbags, as we continue to build up our our uh, our patrons, we will mostly be taking our uh, mailbag questions from, from patrons. Uh, and if we have room left over like we did today, as we're still in the beginning of building up our Patreon membership, you know, we had room for, for other ones, but we didn't get to, I don't know, three or four other emails, uh, that we just couldn't get to, but if you're a patron, patron, uh, or a patron, we will for sure get to you. So please check that out. If you'd like to, uh, if you don't want to be a, a member that, that, you know, supports us monthly, Bobby, what's our, um, our Venmo. You can just, you can, you can hit us up. We've had a couple of people say like, you know, we don't, I don't like the whole like monthly installments or right. whatever. We totally get that. So if you'd rather hit us up through Venmo, it's just Ravens Vault Podcast at Ravens Vault Podcast. You can throw a few bucks that way. And uh, and again, you know, needless to say, obviously, this, it, we're extremely appreciative of, of the interest and the support, the willingness to, to kind of believe in what we're building. So, um, so yeah, so whether it's through Patreon, Venmo, YouTube Super Chat features when we go live, there's so many different ways to support us. And, um, and all of it, we look at it the same way. Uh, you know, obviously, super, super grateful. All right, well, we'll leave that there. Be sure to, to come back to us uh, later this week. Uh, we'll obviously have the morning vaults, and then also we know that John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta will be speaking from the Combine. They both have 15-minute scheduled uh, interviews with the press at the podium. They're from Indianapolis. Uh, we will have that news. We'll probably do a live later that night. I know Bobby's traveling that day. So from Florida, Bobby, we will... Uh, we will do a, a live reaction to, to, to the news that comes out from that. So be sure to check that out along with our morning vaults as normal. Thank you for your support and for Bobby and myself. Uh, we will talk to you later. <laughs>